why is it so important that God is in charge of every facet of my life? Why is it so difficult to always let go and let God be the final authority in my life? Well, I've got a newsflash for you. This life isn't about you. Never was, never will be. All right, now, not actually a newsflash, but we do tend to try to make it about ourselves, don't we? Well, welcome to today's episode of the Point of Purity Podcast, a weekly study filled to the brim with all the tools from Scripture you will ever need to build a lasting life of biblical purity. Well, I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. Come on in, grab your Bible, join us as we sit in on Battle Tactics 101. Okay, let's face it. We all tend to desire, we, we want, we long for the things that we think we need because we're somehow convinced that if I can just get a hold of those things, they will in some way make my life better and I can finally feel the happiness and the fulfillment and the satisfaction that's constantly eluding me. Listen to me carefully, my friend. If you're going to live the life that God has called you to live, if you're going to daily live a life that glorifies Him in everything you think, everything you say, and everything you do, it begins by understanding this life is not about you. You do not reign at the center of any universe, real or imaginary. And yet, let's be honest now, all too often, we're under the false impression that we do, that we are the king, that, that everything and everyone is responsible to bow down to me. Well, we wouldn't necessarily say that outright, but that thought process governs our, our living. I want, I need, I deserve, I desire, I have to have, I can't live without. It's all about me, me, me. We tend to think that our primary objective, our purpose of existence is to enjoy life to be happy, to experience satisfaction and fulfillment. If I can get those things, then life will be good. And as a result, when bad things happen, and they will happen, when circumstances or people interfere with our goal of happiness, and that will happen, then our world suddenly comes crashing down around us, and we're desperate to put it all back together again. Now, please, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying it's wrong to enjoy life. Not by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not saying you shouldn't be happy. I'm not saying you shouldn't experience satisfaction. However, I am saying that should not be your ultimate goal. Happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, enjoyment out of life. That's not the purpose. That's not why you're walking planet Earth. That's not the end result. I'm also saying that when you make life all about God, when you wake up in the morning and as you swing your feet out of the bed, you're thinking, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Everything I think, everything I say, everything I do is going to be zeroed around the goal of glorifying my heavenly Father. When I make my life all about God, that is when I will truly enjoy life. You see, focusing everything around God every thought, every word, every action around glorifying him, when you do that, that is when you will experience true happiness, genuine fulfillment, lasting satisfaction. To be a real, 
honest-to-goodness servant of God. You must first get yourself, get King Me off the throne of your heart and learn how to live every moment for God. You see, only then will you be able to be all that you can be, because only then are you being everything that God created you to be. Only then will you truly glorify your heavenly Father. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul points out the fact that we are wrestling against cosmic powers over the present darkness. We're wrestling against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. In short, we are daily engaged in a spiritual battle with a very powerful, very ancient, and very evil foe, none other than the devil himself. And God commands us in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 to be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your number one enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. And my friend, his eyes are fixed on you. But why? Why on earth would the devil be even interested in me? Well, think about this. God wants you to glorify him, 1 Corinthians ten thirty one. Satan does not. Let me repeat that. Satan is not necessarily wanting you to bow down and worship him although I'm pretty sure he'd welcome that. He just doesn't want you to worship God. He doesn't want God to receive any of the glory. So the devil's going to pull out all the stops to make sure that you don't give any of the glory to God. Keep it for yourself. You don't have to give it over to Satan. Hold it on for yourself. Make it all about King me. Just don't make it about God. Oh, but the enemy is coy. Oh, he is subtle. He's crafty and he's devious. You see, very rarely will he use a frontal assault. Uh, that's, that's too obvious. It's, it's too blatant. It's in your face. Satan knows that you'll defend yourself against such an attack. So instead, he uses guerrilla warfare. He deploys his little minions with instructions to play around with your mind. Change your thinking. He encourages you to make the choice all on your little lonesome to serve King Me. I need, I want, I desire, I deserve, I have to have, I can't live without. Well, let's take a moment and unpack Genesis 4, 7. Genesis 4, 7 says, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, if you've been tracking with this podcast, then you may remember us doing a deep dive into Genesis 4-7 back in episodes 8 and 9. And if you haven't listened to those episodes, I'd encourage you to go back and do so. So in this one, this episode, I'm not going to do a, a deep dive into this text, but there are some things I want to point out here. You see, every moment of every day, you and I have choices to make, multiple thousands of choices daily. And at the heart of those choices is this question, do I listen to King me and do what I want to do, or do I dethrone the king and choose to live in obedience to my heavenly Father? That's the bottom line. If you do what is right, Genesis 4-7, God stands ready to bless you. However, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. 
It desires to have you. It wants to consume every part of your life, so you must rule over it. The choice is yours if you do what is right, if you do not do what is right. My friend, the choice is always yours. So the question I want to ask you right here and now is this. What choices are you making? Remember, there's only two. Do I listen to King Me and do what I want to do? Or do I dethrone the king and choose to live in obedience to my Heavenly Father? You may remember in episodes 8 and 9, I I made this statement. Only two choices can there be, pleasing God or pleasing me. What choices are you making? Oh, by the way, quick little commercial here. If you'd like to learn more about how to make the right choices, how to make those choices when you're tempted to make sure that you're dethroning King Me and living for God, then I'd encourage you, take my Christian Growth Academy nine-lesson course on how to overcome any temptation in your life. Yes, you heard correctly. I actually have a nine-lesson course. It's an online course that you can take at our Christian Growth Academy. You say, well, how do I get to it? Where is it? Just go to the web, go to Christian Growth Academy, all one word, christiangrowthacademy.com, and find the course entitled How to Overcome Any Temptation. Well, back to our thoughts in Genesis 4-7. What a powerful picture God is creating here. Think about it. Sin is like a beast crouching at your door. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, that the devil's like a lion. That lion is hunkered down in the tall grass, just outside the door of your heart. Every muscle is taut with anticipation. That beast is ready to pounce the moment, the very instant that you choose to ignore God and put King Me on the throne. The beast is right there. Its blood-red eyes reduced to mere slits as it unflinchingly stares at you. Its hot breath steams out of its nostrils. Its lips curled back in a feral grin as its fangs drip acid. You can almost hear it eerily hissing as it drips to the ground. The beast desires to have you. It wants to gobble you up. It wants to consume every part of your life. So it is patiently sitting there, watching you waiting for you to act in a way that honors King Me instead of God. And as soon as you do, bam! Never forget, my friend, Satan is an old pro at this. He knows what he's doing. But hey, so do we. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that we are not unaware of his schemes. We're not ignorant of his tactics. So let's take a few moments here and look at just just six of the evil guerrilla warfare battle tactics that the, the enemy likes to use on us. Battle tactic number one. He loves to make the sinful world system that you live in appear to be desirable, appealing, tantalizing. There are many people who profess Christ as their Savior, As they begin their Christian life, they desire to live for God. They are gung-ho for Christ. I'm sure you know some. To look at them, you'd say, wow, they are on fire for God. But soon after their conversion, soon after salvation, in steps the enemy, who begins to tempt them to get their eyes off of God and to focus on worldly things. 
those things that the world provides begin to feel more attractive, more desirable than everything that Christ has to offer. And slowly, almost imperceptibly, King Me crawls back up onto the throne and takes over. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 13, verses 20 through 21. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he very quickly falls away. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. Battle tactic number two. He loves to play on your self-preservation instincts. He tempts you, constantly tempting you to fear the consequences of a life centered around God. He wants you to worry about the high cost of obedience. If I surrender this over to God, he's going to take it away from me. And if he takes it away from me, what am I going to have left? How am I going to ever enjoy life? The enemy tries to convince you that what God really wants for you is to suffer. He wants to take away all the pleasures of life. If you surrender it all to God, he's going to snatch it away from you. And then what? (laughs) Your life won't be worth living. You're going to be bored out of your skull. You see, Satan wants you to believe that God's definition of blessings isn't a blessing at all. It's not a blessing. It's a burden. So I have a question I want you to consider. What happens when you choose to believe Satan's lie that God's blessings aren't worth the trouble? Battle tactic number three. He tries to convince you to focus on what a great burden it is to live for Christ. It's too hard to pray. It's too difficult to spend quality time with the Lord. I've got too many other things in in life, too many other things to do. It's too challenging to open my Bible and study it every day. It's a whole lot easier just to do a quick little devotional. It's It's nearly impossible to memorize Scripture. God is just asking too much of me. The result of that battle tactic is a lackluster attempt to be godly, and it eventually leads you to just giving up, quit trying. Battle tactic number four. He points out that those who are the most dedicated, those who are truly committed to God, you look at their life, they're the ones who are struggling the most. They're the ones who are facing the greatest trials and the, the, the worst problems that could, you could possibly imagine. He whispers in your ear, if you give your life completely over to God, he's going to take away your house, your car, your cushy job, your health, even your bank account. What kind of God is that? Now, here's another question I'd like you to think on. Why do we sometimes worry? We fret. We focus on what God might do with my possessions if I choose to fully live for him. Battle tactic number five. Every time you try to focus on worshiping God with your life, it seems like that's the time that he begins to fill your mind. The enemy begins to fill your mind with all kinds of distractions. I I, want to read my Bible, but oh, wait a minute. I have this, this, and this I have to do yet. I need to take some time and pray. Oh, but I forgot all about, I, I've, I've got to go here. I've got to do this. I, I need to memorize scripture. I need to pray with my spouse. I need to lead my children in, in, in Bible study. 
And what happens is, as you begin to focus on worshiping God with those aspects of your life, he starts to bring in everyday things, everyday problems, everyday um, tasks and duties, things that, that you have to do. I, I, I don't have the time. I can't do that and do this Bible study. I can't do that and pray. I can't do... And so there, there becomes this lack of desire to do things for God because I'll do that boring stuff later. Well, here's something I want you to think about. When I say, I want to read my Bible, I want to pray, I want to serve Christ, but I just don't have the time. What is it that I'm really saying? Because I submit to you, the problem isn't time, it's treasure. Well, battle tactic number six is this. He strongly encourages you to rest on your past victories, your past achievements for Christ. He will remind you how enthusiastic you were for God just last month. He points out to you just how much of your precious time you've actually sacrificed for God. He'll point out how deeply into Bible study you were last month or a couple of months ago. Everything that you've been doing in the church. And at the same time he's doing that, he convinces you, you know what? You've earned the right to coast. You've, you've put in your time. So just sit back and take a break. And just for a little while. You've done your time. It's, it's someone else's turn. Well, in every one of those six tactics that we've talked about, can you see where King Me is sitting on the throne? Can you see where the enemy has duped you into believing it's all about you? Well, whether you realize it or not, this conflict isn't just happening in the unknown, unseen realms around you. This isn't angels versus demons. This isn't the host of heaven battling against the forces of evil over the final destination of your soul. No, this is spiritual warfare, and it is happening in the living room of your heart. This battle is not being fought only by your pastor, the elders or deacons of your church. It's not being fought by the deeply spiritual saints alone. You, my friend, you are not an innocent bystander here. You're not experiencing the unfortunate side effects of someone else's war. You are on the front lines. The enemy is gauging you, and you cannot sit this one out. Now, I want you to consider this next point carefully. As a born-again child of God, your soul is secured in God's grace, his mercy, his love, and his forgiveness. Satan cannot have you, and he knows that. Now watch this, now watch this. Getting you is not the enemy's end game. That's not his ultimate goal. He's not trying to take you down because he sees you as a colossal threat to his plan of world domination. If you're a born-again believer, Satan knows that you are a child of God. And he knows that God will never let him have you. But that is exactly why he's hitting you with everything he's got. Are you confused? Hear me out. Think about it this way. Who does Satan hate more than anyone else in the universe? Here's a hint. It's not you. The answer? God. Who does Satan want to hurt more than anyone else? Here's a hint. It's still not you. The answer? 
God. Satan has had it out for God since the very beginning. Satan knows that God loves you. You are the apple of God's eye. God would do anything for you. In fact, he did. He hung on the cross for you. So it stands to reason that if God loves you that much, and Satan wants to hurt God so deeply, what better way to do that than to attack the love of God's heart? You. Satan wants to hurt God by hurting you. Now consider this. The devil is blitzing you with everything he's got. Not to attack your soul. Your soul belongs to God. So he's not trying to attack your soul. He wants to defeat your mind. Here's why. Satan knows if he can impress your thinking, he'll impact your living. He knows that what you think influences what you do. The point I'm trying to get to is this. At the root of all sinful behavior is wrong thinking. We do what we do because in our hearts we want what we want, and we want what we want because I'm thinking what I'm thinking. I'm believing what I'm believing. It's King Me sitting on the throne. So no matter what sin issue you may be struggling with, at the heart of it all, you will find King Me sitting on the throne. And when King Me is sitting on the throne of your heart, you are worshiping the wrong God. Let me give you a couple examples. You battle with anger because you're worshiping the wrong God. You struggle with lust because you're worshiping the wrong God. You're overcome by worry because you're worshiping the wrong God. You have a problem with gluttony because you're worshiping the wrong God. You covet and steal because you're worshiping the wrong God. You fill in the blank with whatever sin you're facing, and you can be guaranteed at the core it's because you're worshiping the wrong God. And let me clarify, that false God that you're worshiping, it's not anger, it's not lust, worry, gluttony, or any of a ton of other things. Those are just the byproduct of your worship disorder. The false God you're worshiping is none other than King Me. When King Me is on the throne of your heart, you will worship King Me. Well, in our upcoming episodes, we're going to dive much deeper into this truth. But for now, if you'd like to learn more about today's study, or if you're interested in learning more about this ministry, be sure to visit our website and see the multitude of resources we've made available to you. You can find our website at thepuritycoach.com. That's thepuritycoach, all one word, dot com. Well, one of those resources I would like to highlight for you today is my online course entitled Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory. You see, saying no and choosing to live in an upright and godly life, that's a daily decision that you must make. Every time you are faced with a temptation, you are also faced with a decision. Do I give in or do I stand firm and fight? Do I yield to the Holy Spirit and glorify God or do I focus on King Me? and give in to my fleshly desires. Well, in this nine-lesson online course, Overcoming Temptation, you will discover in a very clear and practical way how to live a life that is holy and pure, how to say no to sin, and live in full and complete surrender to God. In this nine-week course, Overcoming Temptation, Four Steps to Spiritual Victory, is available right now 
at christiangrowthacademy.com. That's all one word, christiangrowthacademy.com for only $55. So I encourage you, visit christiangrowthacademy.com. Purchase your place in this online course on overcoming temptation. Learn how to consistently live the life that God has called you to live. A life of holiness, a life of godliness, a life that honors and glorifies God, a life of freedom. Well, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If it's ministered to you, blessed you, challenged you, encouraged you, I ask you, please do two things. First, let your friends know about the Point of Purity podcast. Help us get the word across the globe to men and women who are struggling with sexual purity and want to learn how to live in freedom. And then second, and this is important, visit your favorite podcast player and rate this episode. Every time you do, your rating lets them know this podcast is valuable. Your rating helps us get this program, this ministry, into the hearts and ears of people around the globe just like you. So, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, He must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. Thinking.